0: listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I am Marcus and I'm back for another week. I believe it is week 28. It is the 4th of June. We're into June now. Um, and we've had some bright sunshine. Although today it's a bit lousy out, a bit miserable out there. Um, but uh, anyway, as I said the other week, the phone is ringing. Some shows are coming in, which is always good. And I'm sure I'm not alone um, with that happening to me. I've got a few questions for you again this week. You've been sending them in. And uh, thank you once again for your subscriptions and your excellent feedback and um, your honest feedback in some cases, which, look, I'm mad enough to take it. I've got no problem um, with that at all. Thank you again. It was nice to hear from you again, Doug, for those of you who remember. Um, but um, anyway, Grassroots, the podcast for the unsigned artist, the podcast for those guys who are loading all their stuff in the back of their cars on a Friday night, chucking their speakers in. And those artists who probably have enough in the bank to buy themselves a decent car but end up driving around in an old banger because otherwise they would ruin the upholstery on the new one, throwing their gear in. Even if we won the lottery, we'd still be out there, wouldn't we? Because we can't leave it alone. We love how it makes us feel and we love to see a nice packed dance floor and we like to see people enjoying ourselves. At least, certainly that's my take and most of the people in the circles that I moving in in this crazy business. So... Just a quick disclaimer before I do anything else, which I have to do now, and that is that all of the answers I give to the questions that you send in are based on my experience and my knowledge and the equipment I've used over many, many years. There are a million ways for you to find the results that you want, and you don't have to take my word for it. It's just really I try to do it in the most entertaining way I can and give you as much pleasure as I can every Friday at six o'clock. Now, the first question is quite um, going to take quite a while to answer, I think. So it may even be that most of this podcast is that question. But I think it's a valid one. And it comes from Rob. And Rob is in just the other side of Chelmsford there. And Rob says, Hi, Marcus. I just wondered, as a psychoanalyst myself, how important is mental health at grassroots level? How do you stay focused and driven on the days when you're not feeling it? Hello, Rob. Um... I suppose that the answer to that is that I think everything is about um, mental health. And although I'm no expert on it, I can tell you that um, I've been around people who have been destroyed by this industry, even at grassroots level, have had their confidence completely and utterly taken away and have got a, a variation of stage fright, which has gone on to just mean that they had to step away. Stories like that are sad um in in as much as first of all people can be so cruel and at at all levels of music at international level and everything of course there are people that have opinions on your albums there are people that have opinions on you and in these days of social media and and the keyboard warriors out there who basically say whatever they want to say and hide behind the keyboard a little bit it's changed at grassroots level Things haven't changed that much. People don't tend to run you down on Facebook because they don't really know who you are and lots of people don't know who you are. So it tends to be that um, sometimes in person you'll get uh, a bad review or sometimes your agent will get a bad review and there's no real comeback on on something like that and it, it can knock your confidence. When I start working with singers... And I start working with uh, performers, but particularly singers, because singing is such a personal thing. I work primarily on mental strength. Now, that's not to say that I'm an expert in how the brain works, because I'm not. But I like to, the first couple of lessons, are usually there's usually a free introductory lesson, and then there's a lesson which is usually after that, which is usually just the first one, where I'm just talking to them, I'm putting them at ease, I'm making them comfortable, I'm, I don't want them to be too nervous um, because singing is such a personal thing it comes from you if you play the guitar or bass or any other instrument it's kind of a separate instrument to you and although you're playing it i don't think it feels quite as personal because you can change the sound of guitars and other instruments and things like that whereas singing is you it's it's who you are it's your diaphragm it's your tubes it's your voice so when somebody criticizes it um, it's very difficult, and maybe you take it that little bit harder than you would if um, you you know, were a guitar player or, or anything like that. And I think you can improve your voice, of course you can, and, and you can change the sound of your voice in how you use it. But ultimately, it's a very personal thing. So if somebody doesn't like the sound of your voice, there's not a lot you can do about that, except to say you can do the best you can with what you're given. Um, So I work primarily, initially on strengthening the uh, self-belief. Because if you want to sing and you believe you can sing, now that's not to say that, I know there were people out there who say, what about these people who go on X Factor and The Voice who really truly believe that they can sing and they're awful. Um, But the the truth of it is, they've got the guts to get up there and do it. And, um, you know, all right, they might not be that great, but they believe that they are. And I don't have a problem with that. I think uh, you know there's the people are oh, they're delusional and stuff like that, but I think a lot of the time um, there's you know the, it, it's really just an opportunity, and and I think my my opinions are strong, but really when it comes to shows like that, it's really an opportunity for the British public to do what they shouldn't be allowed to do, which is to basically laugh at people less fortunate than themselves, or or laugh at people who. You know, think that they're it. And and it's just basically, you know, in Colney Hatch in the 16th century, people used to go down and laugh at the lunatics. Well, we're still doing it now, but we call it Saturday evening reality TV entertainment. We're still laughing at the lunatics. We're still laughing at people less fortunate than ourselves. And that's what I have a problem with. So, mental health is everything. And it is everything in probably every walk of life as well. You have to believe in yourself, you have to believe in what you have to offer. Um, but at grassroots level, to make yourself do it and to find find that side of your personality, it's the same at, at all levels. It's the same in any sport. You find um, that space in your, in your head where you feel safe. And you find that person. You, you almost create a character that can get the job done. And I've said about this. I've talked about this before. If I step out on stage on a Saturday night, when I'm me, when I'm sat there, when... When I'm sat watching YouTube and, you know, flicking through old rubbishy fishing programs and stuff like that, he hasn't got the guts to get up on a Saturday night. But my alter ego, my guy, the person that I become, has. So I find a place in my uh, in myself, almost turn up the amps, turn up the volume on a certain part part of myself and go out and, and do that. But I've seen... Um, people and, and sometimes in sport it happens that you'll you'll have somebody who is a is a real looks like a real winner and they'll do really really well for a few years and then what will happen let's say in snooker or or darts or something like that that are personal sports rather than team sports one to ones let's say all of a sudden you know you saying bolt all of a sudden he, he's winning races but then he loses maybe two or three on the on the trot and then the big one happens he loses one where he should have won it where he was leading and then all of a sudden it's just something happened and somebody overtook him. Or in a darts match, somebody was ahead and they lost from a winning position where they they should have won. Snooker, they should have won and then they lost it from there. And sometimes they're never the same after that because any time they get in a situation where things get a bit tight, they're going to th- feel like, oh, this is where I lose it from. Um, and it's funny how that one time that you lose tends to be so much more painful than the amount of times that you found a way to win from a losing position so it's the thought process you can see sometimes in a player's eyes that they're getting in the way of themselves and they're starting to see the winning line or they're starting to see um where where this is going they're already lifting the trophy in their own mind and they haven't won it yet and what that does is it tightens them up and alternatively, what we also have seen in sport and many things over the years, but in particular sport events, and that, and team sports as well to a certain extent for this point, is that you get to the to the level where you think, well, we've lost anyway, so we might as well have some fun. And then you start playing with a freedom, and when you start playing with a freedom, all of a sudden things get closer, because the guy who's in front starts thinking about winning, and then you're coming back, and then he starts getting worried. You think you've already lost, so you keep pushing forward and and just having some fun and just playing the game. And it's usually now there's an un, I I call it an unwritten rule, but you know of course there are there is proof that um, you know of, of of both arguments. I always have said that that I would say ninety times out of a hundred, the player or the team that was originally ahead, stumbles over the line when it gets close. So how many times have you seen somebody who was who was ahead, maybe let's say in snooker, maybe first to 18, they probably lead in 17-12. And what happens is the player who's got 12 thinks, right, well, I might as well have some fun. Then it's 17-13, 14-15. Then it gets to 17-16 and the player who's behind thinks, I could nick it from here. Then the pressure is on him. And the bloke who was originally in front, or a lady, you know, women play snooker too sneaks over the line puts it back together again and sneaks over the line I've seen it in all sports it's just the way that the mental health and the way that the pressure and the way that the mind works you know you have to believe in yourself when you're going to perform you have to believe in what you have to offer and I think it's important that you don't um, you, you try and keep yourself on your feet on the ground to a certain extent. You have to be strong enough to accept the weaknesses and look at the things that you can't do and look at the songs that you can't sing and accept that maybe you'll never sing them. Let it go and find another song that suits you better. Find something else. Um, mental strength, like sportsmen, um, tennis is another, another sport with, which again falls into the category of you know somebody's ahead and gets in the way of themselves. And it's the thought process that does it. It isn't ability. It isn't technique. It's the thought process. And music, um, I've been on stage a few times when my guy hasn't been there and it's just been me. Sometimes he isn't there. And they are the times when you feel lonely. They are the times when you wonder if people are are, are looking at you and thinking, are they saying that I look like somebody? Are they saying that I'm rubbish? You start wondering about what people think. And it's like uh, this side of your personality. When your confidence goes... um, and you're on stage, to still have to find enough to get the job done. Like sportsmen who, has to, who have to sort of force themselves back into form. They have to make themselves do it. They have to find a way of getting results when they don't feel like it. You know, that I'm sure that there are sportsmen out there and there are musicians out there that have a row with a message just before they go out. You don't feel like, you know, uh, doing anything. I always say that uh, if you take cricket as an example, the best batsmen are the ones who take the time to get there, get used to the light, have a little knock-up in the nets and get ready, um, clear their mind of everything and get ready to go out and do battle in the middle. The best fast bowlers are the ones who just had a row with a message before they go out. And they've got just this pent-up frustration and anger, and they want to take it out on you. So, again, it's a, a situation. It's It's controlling your thought process. It's using... Sometimes turning a negative into a huge positive and um, over the years um, doing this job, it's 30 years this year that I've done it, is I've found that at the times when we've taken a knock backwards, you have to be, or I've felt, yeah, it hurts. It hurts for a couple of days and it might hurt for a week, but then at the end of it, you suddenly think, okay, well, what can I do to make sure that doesn't happen again? You have to be big enough to look at your flaws and maybe have a look and say, what did I do wrong? What didn't I have right that night? And if you can honestly look in a mirror and say, we did everything that we had to do and it just didn't happen, then there really isn't anything to worry about. But that's pretty rare. Um, you know, if if that's happened to me and it's happened to me a couple of times, when it's happened. I've usually thought about it for a few days and I thought, what is it about me they didn't like? What is it about us they didn't like? And usually you look at it and you think, okay, well, maybe that, maybe we were too loud. So let's see if we can find a way of doing that. Maybe we played the wrong song. So maybe let's have a look at the set list. You know, if it's something as simple as I had a cold, I wasn't singing very well and they thought I was rubbish. You know, you have to take that one, that one on the chin sometimes. But when I work with singers, I work with them and talk to them it's it's more of a personal thing as well i'll talk to them about their day i'll talk to them about their job i'll talk to them about what they're doing and then we'll sing some songs and we'll, we'll chat and then we'll do a bit of technique um and you know work singing through scales and work on strengthening and work on um you know using the 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 head voice the chest voice and uh things like that and practicing a few vocal exercises but in between that I might just sort of say to them, so what well, you know, you into any sport and that what'd you do? Because I have to, I always feel that as a as a tutor, um, or as a, or as a mentor, whatever people want to call it. I mean, you know, I've been called a lot of things over the years. Believe me, it's important that if you can get that person to feel like they could walk through a wall for you, because you've got to take somebody completely out of their comfort zone. It's very rare that I teach somebody to sing who's been singing for years. You know, if they come and see me and they might have um, been struggling, I've had people who've sung for years and suddenly they have um, acid reflux and they're struggling with things like that and they're struggling with technique and they're saying it's made them sing in a different way and they need to get back to basics. But usually if I'm working with somebody who's, who's getting into singing, they're usually very new to it and I've got to take them out of the comfort zone which is usually um, singing in their front room or singing in their car or singing in their head very softly along with their phone. And I've got to make them stand there and, and belt using a diaphragm, pushing everything out, you know, having a roaring fire in the guts and using the um, using the head as the chimney for that. It all comes, you know, f- flying out. And um, to get them to do that, it's very much like um, getting somebody to do something completely out of their comfort zone. Somebody who thinks they can sing and feels they might be a good singer within a couple of hours of meeting me has suddenly got to sing really proudly and really loudly. And, you know, so in order for me to get that, I have to focus on their mental health to a certain extent. I have to try and tap into their thought process. I have to make them feel at ease because all the technique in the world, all of the practice in the world, all of the songs in the world that you could find for them to sing won't make any difference Unless they believe at some point that they can do it, and unless they're brave enough to do it, and I've seen people destroyed by this business where they've got two or three, uh, two or three bad reviews, and then their confidence has gone, and and then every gig, they were nervous before they even got there, they were frightened before they'd even got there of what people might say or people might do. Happens at all levels, happens at all in all genres. There's been people over the years, comedians and other people in TV who've got stage fright. It usually comes It comes from mental health. It's not, you know, because if you look out over an audience, there's nothing, there's nothing in an audience to necessarily be scared of. It's what the audience can say or what they might think about you. But actually standing there and doing your job under the spotlight is a, a different, um, you know, a different way. It's a different you. It's a different world that you're stepping into. You'll be brave enough to do that, and uh, in answer to the second part of your question, Rob, when you're when you're trying to stay focused and driven on the days when you're not feeling it, um, for me, um, it's my job, and what I do is I remind myself um, that uh, I'll I'll be honest with you all. All right, my dad was a, a floor layer, carpet fitter, and. I know everybody says it and everybody thinks it, but he really was the most hard-working person I ever met. Just because that game is hard. You know, you're lugging the carpets around, you're kneeling on stone floors, you're carrying things around, you're you're, you're using knives, you can get tennis elbow from that. I mean, it, it, God knows how many injuries and pains and, and uh, water on the knee and all sorts of stuff, back pain he had over the years, but he just kept on going. You know, like like an old broken down car, just keep getting up, always starts first thing in the morning and, and we'll go to work. He was the hardest working person I ever met in my life. And he always used to install in me that work ethic, which was nobody's going to play guitar for me. So I can be down, I can be blue, I can feel sad, but nobody's really going to say to me, well, you have Saturday off Um. I'll play the guitar for you and then I'll drop your money around on Sunday morning. If I want that money, if I want to earn that, I have to get up and I have to go and earn it. Um, and the other thing about him as well was that I would work with him occasionally. He would say to me, come in and do a bit. And I'd say, yeah, look, mate, I'm not doing anything. I'm between shows. I'm bored. Um, and he'd say, come in and help me. And I would go in and do a couple of days with him. Um, and he'd probably give me like 50 quid a day or something. He's, been, he's my old man. I wasn't going to, you know, 50 quid a day was good money for me. Not too bad. But by the end of those two days, I couldn't even walk. I mean, I could, my knees were gone. My back was gone. I'd ache like hell. And I'd get £100 at the end of it. And then I'd think, do you know what? I'd get £200 for singing on a Saturday night for two hours. So I, I'm not going to let anybody, you know, ruin that. As long as people are phoning me, as long as people are booking me, as long as people are uh, wanting to see me, and as long as people are putting me in their diary and putting me on their posters and advertising me, and then I could be on my knees every single day, fitting carpet, and not be able to walk. I could be, as, as uh, Jeff Boycott used to say when he walked out to bat, and I think he said it to himself, he made a point of saying it to, to himself every time, which was, I could be down the mines. He was, ste- he, you know, whenever he didn't feel like it, he would step out and uh, headingly and on a be- beautiful sunny day with his bat and go out and face some of the greatest players uh, sometimes in the world. And whenever he didn't feel like it, he'd look at it and say, well, I could be down the mines. If, if the cricket hadn't worked for him, he would have been a coal miner. And he wasn't. And the guys who were down the coal mines and stuff like that, probably taking an afternoon off work to come and watch him bat because he cared about what he did and things like that would always drive him on so in my particular case you would find something that drives you on and for me it's there's there are far harder ways to earn a living far tougher ways and far more physically demanding and mentally demanding ways of making a living than what i do i think on a, on a larger scale, maybe at international level, you'd have to ask them. But I'd imagine when you're working on an album that you know or you're working on a TV show that you know millions of people are going to hear, I think that's a different pressure um, and a different thought process, I'm sure. But um, at, at my level and at grassroots level, any time when I don't feel like it or any time when I'm having a particularly bad day or I don't I don't feel like performing and I'm feeling a bit miserable, I just remember... Uh, you know the many things that I could be doing if I didn't do music, and I remember how lucky I am to do this for a living, particularly at this at this level. Not that I'm a role model, because I'm not, but I've paid the bills. I've put my kids through, you know, school, and, and 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 I've I've paid my mortgage, or I'm paying my mortgage off, because I play guitar for a living. And I always find that the love of what I do, kind of, um knocks the negative into touch but at the times that i haven't felt like it usually there's you just waiting for a spark to come along you're just waiting like a batsman who's out of form suddenly goes out and all of a sudden he's thinking well i'll probably get none today and goes out and all of a sudden he's on 20 and then 30 and 40 and he's thinking well if things are going all right today it's my day um and you can turn things around and you can and it all happens it's all linked to your thought process. Um, I mean, I could go into detail about this, I'm sure, all instruments. But the the moment that I wait for when I work with uh, anybody is what I call a eureka moment. It's the moment where they look at me, they sing something and then say, I think I got this, that was all right, that was all right. You know, they hear themselves, they know what they're doing. Um, and that's a big moment. And it's not because their technique is necessarily has improved or all of a sudden it's because all of a sudden their, their mindset has changed. They suddenly believe that they're a winner when they were thinking that they might not be. They suddenly believe that they could do this. They've suddenly realized that there's an opportunity here for them to explore singing and to really have some fun with it. That's the best feeling in the world for me and and remains so. Not quite the same for guitar players and And mandolin players and things like that although there was always a nice moment when they learned to do it but i think mandolin and guitar and things like that there's um it's very much you know you get to get to a level where you can teach them at all different levels you can work at all different levels and and people can play a few simple songs on guitar and a few simple songs on on mandolin and you know put together a set list of pretty straightforward stuff and and cross over a lot of things But with singing, you have to explore all of the possibilities. And in order to do that, Rob, you have to be um, brave enough. You have to be strong enough. I've talked before, and I've said this before, and I've worked with singers. We never imagine somebody like Tom Daly, the diver, standing at the top of the diving board and peering over the side and thinking, "Whoa, that's high. But there was a time when he did that. There was a time when he, he looked over the side and thought, wow, I don't, I don't like that much, that looks high. We just see him now and he climbs up there 10 metres, no problem, does this and flies this way and double somersaults and pikes and twists and good goodness knows what. But there would have been a time when he peered over the edge and he had to find the strength, the mental strength, the thought process in order to throw himself off and to feel what it's like. And that's where you have to be um, when it comes to learning an instrument. When it comes to um, you know, you, if you played the game for a lot of years, uh, like I have, it, whenever my, my um, mental strength is failing a bit um, and, 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 you know, we, we all have reasons for that to happen. You'd have personal reasons that, that can eat you up and you, you don't feel like it. Whenever I've been in that situation, I remind myself, first of all, how lucky I am to do this and all of the jobs that I could be doing because really, I remember that when it comes to music, when, when the lockdown happened, Um, I'll be honest with you, I was in tears on a friend of mine's shoulder because I said, what am I going to do? I've had one rehearsal, I've had one job interview in my life where somebody said, do you know this? And I've had a 30-year career on the basis of moving in different circles because I played guitar and then learned how to teach and studied music and did all of that. If you take music away from me, what am I going to do? So it was frightening because it wasn't necessarily the performing how am I going to earn a living when there isn't a living there to be earned, and I can't really do anything else? Yes, I mean I, I know I could flip burgers in McDonald's and and uh, I could stack shelves at Morrison's, or you know I could, there are other jobs. But again, um, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, well, what what am I going to do that's going to make me feel like this? That's going to be rewarding. That's going to, you know, where you get those those moments where you make somebody's evening or you you change somebody's um, career almost by by suddenly telling them you know that song you've written is quite good and all of a sudden they've written an album and they've released it and they've done how am I going to feel so uh, as fulfilled and as proud and as as solid as I do doing this job you know if I'm doing something else and and if it came to it I'd have had to um, and I still might have to we don't know what's around the corner but um, you have to at, at, at the times when, uh, when music has hurt me I've always remembered that There's a reason why I've done this job for as many years as I have. And the reason must be that I'm pretty good at it. It can't be, you can't blag it for that many years. You have to have some success at this level. You have to have a lot of good shows behind you. You have to have venues that want you back. You have to have, you know, people that book you for a private party that, that you're the first person they ring. So to a certain extent, that's the difference is once you've proved it, like the Rolling Stones release an album and they, they do their best with it, I'm sure, but they don't worry too much about whether or not it's going to sell. They know it's going to sell because pe- because of who they are. They've got nothing to prove. And I, and I feel myself at, at grassroots level, um, when it comes to how many years you can do the job for, I don't feel like I've got anything to prove. I just feel I want to test myself and do more things. But in order for me to do more things, I've got to get my mental strength up. I've got to get my confidence up. I've got to feel like I belong. And that's, you know, my my take on on that. I knew it would be a long answer, but it really is about that. It really is about the thought process. It really is about mental strength, mental toughness, looking at your own game, being honest with yourself, being straight with yourself. Um you know, of course, there are the days when you don't feel like it. There are the days when you really struggle. And I've worked with people who who really struggled with it with anxiety and stuff like that. Um, And my heart goes out to them and and I'll never understand it. And I, I am a bit naive when it comes to it because I I just don't understand it because I don't, uh, luckily or happily, I don't suffer from that at this particular time in my life. Um, But at the times when I haven't felt like it, I've always felt Go back to basics. You know who you are. You know what you can do. Um, and think about the people you've entertained. Focus on the good things you've had over the years. Focus on the matches you won rather than the matches that you lost. Focus on who you are. Focus on your job. And remember that you could be on your knees screeding a floor. You could be on your knees cutting a carpet in. You could be lugging underlay around. You could be down the mines. You know, you could, be, uh, you could be a bricklayer. You could have been doing all of these things um where which is real hard hard graft that's not by the way in any way to put down those professions not at all i just mean um i understand and i respect just how hard physically those guys work and you know and i look at it and i think i earn some decent money and i sing and yeah the worst thing that can happen really is a sore throat for me um and then i've got to sort of struggle f- through the gig um but for them, I mean, uh, you know, they're going to work with bad backs and bad knees and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So I just remember how lucky I am to do this job. And I remember the good times, the good things. Um, and it's being able to to close all of that negative stuff off, put it in a locker, shut it off and go to work. Um, and that's all I can say about that, Rob. I mean, it's one of those things where if we chatted for a while, there would probably be other things. But um Sometimes, as, as any performer will tell you, as, a, as any um, sportsman will tell you, you have to force yourself into form. You have to find it when it isn't there. And I don't think that there's an exact way of doing that. Um, I think everybody finds a different way. Some people find motivation um, from personal th- experiences. I just, for me... I just remind myself how lucky I am that I do this job and how hard I've worked over the years to get to this position. Um, and uh, I don't take it for granted. I've never taken it for granted. Um, and that's, that's why mentally I remain quite strong when it comes to music. Um, and if I am struggling, I find a way of picking myself up. Thank you for your question, Rob. There you go, mate, a 31-minute answer. Music tuition online. Have your guitar, bass, mandolin, vocal tuition, even production live online. One-to-one tuition via Skype or alternative streaming media. Learn from the safety of your own home. For further information, please contact us at Innovation Studios at www.innovationstudios.com. Darren says... Hi, Marcus. When I'm singing at home, um, it sounds okay, but I really do need to make the transition to stronger vocals. How do you recommend I do that? Well, Darren, book some lessons with me, and I'll get you sorted out. Um, Now, you need to find a space, Darren, where you can sing, where you can push. I've always said that um, the singing voice kind of comes from the I told you so voice. It's that one in the middle where you're maybe telling your daughter she can't go out wearing that particular dress. you, You know, There's that voice where you're authoritative, you're not going out, wearing that okay you are not going out wearing that go and take that makeup off get up there and sort yourself out put something more appropriate on and then i'll let you go but it's not screaming it's not "yo, you're wearing this it's just that voice that's authoritative and you need to find that um there's a couple of different ways of practicing the technique for that um which is to, to um, just you can get a friend of yours to stand opposite you, and then you can stand and talk to them um, from maybe a foot away. And then as you back off, maybe down the garden or down across the, the room, you need to talk a little bit louder in order to just keep that down. So what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to back up from the microphone and try and keep the wave the same. So at the moment, I'm about an inch away. So at the moment, I'm about six inches away. At the moment, um, going back a bit, I'm about nine inches away, Um, at the moment I'm about a foot away from the microphone so I'm just pushing the voice a little bit more I'm not shouting I'm just pushing it just to get it to come out and if I go back to about two foot away I need to just push a little bit more but I'm not shouting I'm just projecting and as I walk back towards the microphone again which I'm doing as I speak to you now I'm moving back in so nine inches away six inches away five inches away, four inches away, right up to the microphone again, brought the voice back down where it needs to be. And when I'm looking at the wave in front of me, and if you wanted to prove it, you could put this on a program and you'd see that the wave was fairly consistent. It didn't leap out, it didn't jump anywhere. So you can practice that technique. Now, at no time was I shouting, I was just projecting what I had. I wasn't ever screaming or shouting, and it was coming from the diaphragm. And that's the difference it's the burning fire it's coming down here now when you're practicing at home it's very difficult to find um somewhere to practice i spoke about this the other week you're trying to make that transition into strong vocals it's got to be really that you sing into the curtain you sing into the corner you sing into the old cushion over the face just to try and get that bit of strength there um but um you know making a transition to strong vocals is really finding where the voice comes from And then being able to control it. And again, it's being brave enough to... um, It's a a bit like if you learn to drive in a a Mini and then all of a sudden you you get a job as a lorry driver somewhere along the line. Or you want to apply to be a lorry driver. You've got to make that huge transition from one set of controls to another set of controls and still got to learn how to to work everything. Um, And your margin for error is uh, slightly less. And in a mini, you've got a bit more road or on a a moped or something, you've got a bit more road. In a a truck or in a lorry, you've got less road, so your margin for error is less. When you're singing, when you're pushing and really belting out when you first start doing it, um, you find that when you're singing nice and softly in your head and just singing along with Adele or singing these little songs, that's lovely. But it's being able, once you step away from it and you go from the moped to the mini to the lorry, that's where you've got to push and really you've got this bigger instrument that you've got to learn to control once you can control it it's fine but it's just learning how to do that that's what that's what takes the time um and again like i said you can come and see me we can work on technique or or there's i'm sure there are plenty of things online that you can find and you can learn about so don't you know don't worry about that but um it is hard it's not easy i always look at um Singing when I when I work with people, I always think that the important thing is that when you f- when you first start singing and you're singing in your living room or singing in your bedroom with a hairbrush or whatever, you're very much climbing a hill. And when you're climbing the hill, you you you're kind of going at a steady pace. You're not trying to rush too much. And then you learn to sing from the diaphragm. Then you learn to sing from the burning, burning, roaring fire that's inside. When you do that, you start running downhill. And you go from controlling your pace going uphill to your legs and everything going faster than you want them to go. And you have to learn how to control that. Singing rock music, singing power stuff is running downhill. And your legs are going faster than you want them to go. And you have to learn how to slow things down. When you first start singing in your room, you need to learn how to speed things up. And there's that point where you get to the top of the hill and then you learn how to use that technique and bang, you're down, you're rolling down the hill, you're going faster than you want to, you've got to hold it together, you've got to learn how to control the pace when the pace is getting away from you. And that's the difference. So think of it as being um, transitioning up to a bigger vehicle with, uh, a, with a bigger range, with a bigger width, a huge uh, vehicle that you've still got to learn how where everything is. You still have to know where the indicators are. You still have to know where the windscreen wipers are. You still have to know where the brakes are, but you have to think in a different way when you're in one vehicle to what you are in the other. And you'll find if you do that, there, there are times when, and it's happened to me, you, you might metaphorically get out of the lorry straight into your mini and start driving. And you think, my God, I'm, I'm driving this in the wrong way. Very much like I've, I've tried to do a few takes recently on, on the men of earth album. Um, one of the songs I sang, uh, Johnny Biggs, I belted and I suddenly said, no, what am I doing that for? Because the song before I've been belting. So I, I and I, and the next, next one came along and I said, OK, let's record, let's get a take. And I just carried on belting because I was in that frame of mind. I was in that mindset. I was in the big lorry. I wasn't in the mini where I needed to be. So made the transition got back into the Mini, had a quick look around, yeah, good, let's go to work. So you have to remember that uh, making the transition is a different thought process, it's a different engine size, it's a different vehicle width, um, and it's a different way of controlling running downhill as opposed to walking, maybe not uphill, but certainly walking on an even pavement. Walking on an even pavement, you can control any pace that you want to hold. You can run at any pace you want to when it's flat. But as soon as you're running downhill, you have to learn how to bring in what is getting away from you. You have to learn how to bring your legs back when they get in front of your body. You have to learn how to bring your voice back in when everything is firing out. And like smoke signals, the smoke doesn't know. It just comes roaring up and it's what people do with the blanket or what people do above that sends the smoke into different areas. Areas when people blow smoke rings, the smoke doesn't know. It's what we do with the smoke and how we blow it out that makes the smoke ring. That is the difference. So it's learning how to make the transition from one instrument to another. It's taking your voice from being that one that's in your room and nice and soft and singing along and then pushing it out to the point where you're able to just let yourself go. Run down hill. Call your daughter, what are you doing that for? What are you doing, or just call your mates. Just say to one of your mates, go upstairs and I'm going to try and call you, but I'm not going to shout at you. I'm just going to sort of go, Dave, Dave. Try and find the voice in the middle that just sits there. Um, So there we are. (laughs) Innovation Studios, hoodies, many colours and sizes available. Our logo proudly emblazoned on the front. The back can be personalised with your name or your nickname. Or anything you want, as long as it isn't too shocking. Click to order online, www.innovationstudios.com Doug says, Still around, I see, spouting your nonsense to everybody who couldn't care less. (laughs) Oh, Doug, I do love you so much, mate. I do. Um, Look, it's just nice to hear from you, Doug, all right? And... uh, you Know for those of you who remember, Doug sent me an email saying nobody cares about what you think, and um, yeah, at the end of the day, you don't have to like it, you don't have to enjoy it, you don't have to take any of this advice at all. It doesn't make any difference to me, as far as I'm concerned. Dougie, it's an hour of my time that I have fun answering a few questions because people take the time to email me and ask me something. It's because I feel like I've got something to offer, mate, I've got something I can. I can do I've got uh, I've got an ability I've got something that um people ask my opinion on that's all it is mate and, and as long as the questions are coming in as long as I'm moving in these circles and working with people that I know um or working with people that I that I meet and I work you know I want to work with and improve and teach them instruments and work on their singing and stuff like that I'm not going anywhere Doug but I I, I strongly suggest that maybe you should um if you don't like it mate at the end of the day if you don't like it and if you're not enjoying it you've got to listen to it to know that right so i'm good with that if you're listening to it i'm over the moon with that mate because it's one more listener on my list it's one more little subscriber what i'll tell you what doug why don't you subscribe as well so that you'll get the notifications every single friday for the ones that you don't want to listen to all right but uh doug I, I'm alright mate look I tell you what meet me we'll have a beer and I'll t- and you'll know if, if you meet me in person you'll know I ain't up myself I'm not I'm not a big head I'm just someone who loves music wants to share my passion for music wants to share my advice and I want people to um, do music because music's a dying art mate at the moment with everything that's gone on and they've done all of this stuff where they've done the eat out to help out stuff and given people discounts at restaurants and given people you know well, what have they done? They haven't done that for gigs. I'm still paying the same rate for my tickets. They haven't said, well, i tell you what, the government will pay half the money for the tickets so we can sell it out. Oh, no, I'm still paying the full whack, right? Um, which is fine. So there's no um, plan to get people back into music venues um, as a, as a government-funded thing. It's really like, yeah, music's back on again. Buy your tickets at full whack. Well, I could get my wimpy at half price. Or I could go to the the harvester for half price when they did the eat out to help out thing. So music's dying, Doug. And it's people like me and people like, you know, lots of people out there at grassroots level, the the, the people that I'm going to interview, the people that I've got lined up to interview over the next uh, six weeks or whatever, um, who have been in grassroots music for longer than I have. That's where it comes from. You can't pick a footballer unless he's kicked a ball around the park first with his mates. You can't pick a cricketer unless he's played uh, club cricket. They might be playing county cricket, they might play international cricket, but they're not plucked from nowhere. They have to learn their craft, learn their trade, and they have to learn it at grassroots level. That's where I am, Doug. Um, Nice to hear from you, mate, anyway, in any capacity. Um, And if you are a musician yourself, I wish you luck with it, all right? I I really want you to do well. Um, But you know what? I'm... I think you're in Ipswich, Doug. I I seem to remember you were something like IP7 or something. So if I'm over that way, I swear to you, mate, meet me me at Costa, because I I can take it. You want to say something to me, you can say it to my face, and I promise you I'll take it, mate. I've got no problem with that, okay? Um, And maybe you might realise if we have a chat for a while that this is just something that I do for entertainment. I do for people to listen to and to learn something from. That's all I do um and uh lots of people enjoy it doug and you can vote with your ears and you can turn it off and I'm, I'm good with that mate but uh whatever thank you for any correspondence um that i get so thanks to all of you thanks to all all of you for your questions this week thanks to you for your comments um good old doug coming back again um and just thanks for listening in every week the grassroots podcast Fridays at 6 p.m., the podcast for unsigned artists. More information, www.innovationstudios.com. You can send me an email at uh, Innovation Studios UK at gmail. You can find me on Skype at Innovation Studios if you want to set up a online session or you want to just have a chat if I'm around. Um, keep it clean, please. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, and we're out there in the big wide world anyway. And very soon I'll be back out there performing again. Um, so look for us and um, hopefully our paths will cross very soon thank you for listening couple of longer answers there um, but I just try and do the best with what what I'm given every, every week that I'm here so look I'm out of here yours in music signing off go and have a great week hopefully we'll get a bit more sunshine bye bye for now